Today we are in part 11 of our teaching, Biblical Bad Babes, and um, this is the penultimate um, part. We are rounding up this series next week, and, um, and we are looking at Eve, the mother of them all. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Mama Eve. Uh, and, um, we, we trust God that it's going to be amazing. <clears throat> Today, by the grace of God, we will be looking at a very interesting character in the Bible called Tama. Tama, the no-nonsense babe. No-nonsense. Everyone say no-nonsense. <laughs> but before we dive into Tama, um, we, we want to do a recap of the teaching. And at the beginning of each teaching, we, we have a topic sentence, which is a statement that summarizes the whole teaching. And, and um, if there's anything we take away from that teaching, we take away, of course, in addition to everything, we take away that sentence. When we looked at part one, when we looked at Rahab, we saw that with God, it's not who you were that matters. It's who you are becoming. Regardless of your past, regardless of your history, regardless of what you've been through, it's not where you have been with God. It is where you are going. With Mrs. Lot we, and our daughters, we learned that with God, your focus is more important than your current direction. Where your eyes are looking is more important than where your legs are currently going. Because your legs will eventually take you to where your eyes are. When we looked at part three, we looked at Jezebel and um, Sister Jezi, and we saw with Sister Jezi that the state of your heart determines the actions that you take. Your decisions show us your heart, good or evil. So when you do stuff, it shows us who you are. You cannot do a horrible thing and say, oh, pastor, I'm a good person. God sees my heart. We also see your heart. Praise the name of the Lord. In part four, when we looked at Sapphira, we, we learned that no matter how deceitful a heart is, it cannot deceive the Holy Spirit. And every time you go against God, you lose. Every time anybody goes against God, the person loses. So it's best to be on God's side. With Delilah, we learned that you are only as vulnerable as the secrets you share. No one can destroy you no one, without first uncovering your secrets and using it against you. No one can destroy you without first uncovering your secrets and using it against you. Um, 
in the woman by the well, we, we learned that our deepest longings and our thirst can only be satisfied by the living waters that only Jesus can give. She tried to fill our thirst and our hunger with many men, husbands, and all that, but it cannot. And we said, if you put the weight of your deepest desire on any human being, even the person who's your legitimate husband or your wife, if you put the weight of your deepest desire of any, on any human being, you're going to crush them. No human being can 100% satisfy you. Only the Holy Ghost can. Praise the name of the Lord. We learned in Potiphar's wife that unlike Delilah, the slickest lipstick in the world cannot conquer determined lips and a pure heart. Joseph had clean lips and a determined heart, and she could not overpower Joseph. You will not be overpowered. Say amen, that's if you mean it. Okay. <clears throat> in the case of um, the immoral woman, we learned that worship, we should worship Jesus with reckless abandon because when it's all said and done, your relationship with Jesus is all that matters. It's only Jesus that will not abandon you. There's no friend like Jesus. And when you show up in eternity, maybe when you die or when Jesus comes, the most important thing will be your relationship with Jesus. The most important thing is who is Jesus to you. That's what will determine whether you, you make it to heaven or not. So worshiping Jesus should be without any form of apology. And in the teaching of the woman caught in adultery, we learned that the grace that saves you but does not change you is counterfeit, is fake, is suspect. Grace that saves you, if the grace of God saves you, the grace of God will change you. Jesus said to the woman, neither do I condemn you, that is grace. And he said, go and, and sin no more. And sin no more. Um, in the study of Michal, which was last week, we learned and we summarized that I will rejoice before the Lord no matter who agrees or disagrees with me. I mean, it, it, his wife disagreed with him. David didn't give a damn. And God was glorified and God defended him. Praise the name of the Lord. Today in the study of Tamar, the no-nonsense babe, the summary, the topic sentence for us is this, that God is a God of monumental grace and justice. God is a God that is complete in grace and is just at the same time. He's a God of huge monumental grace and justice all both at the same time and it's beautiful so you fill in the blanks if you need to thrive you have an outline you're supposed to fill in the blanks sorry i missed that out in the beginning so god is a god of so you put monumental grace and justice and justice 
as an opener, um, this teaching is, is in three segments. You have the, the, the opening section, which is a question that kind of breaks the ice for us. Then we have the study section. Then we have the commitment section. Then we are done. Um, as an opener, the question here is, is this. Have you had a family situation where you were sidelined for no fault of yours? Or you were called a witch? Or, or, or you have a curse? Or they called you names for no fault of yours? How did that go? Anybody wants to be vulnerable here today and share with us? How did that go? Have you had a family situation where you were... Um, renegated, you know, for no fault of yours. How did it go? Um, is this still work in progress? Has, has God vindicated you? Okay, my sister over there. Um, anybody else so that we know how to... I know some of us, it's very sensitive, and so you don't want to share it because this thing can just... Your stepmom can just get the tape <laughs> Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remembered many years ago, and um, I don't know what really happened. My mom got sick. We went to church together, and there in the church after service, she suddenly fell down and she was sick. So wow. I happened to rush her to the house. And on getting to the house, we took her to the hospital. But suddenly I discovered that even in the hospital, they didn't allow me to enter. My father, all my younger ones said, I'm the one doing her. I'm ah. the one that took her to church. Uh, and the, the church is all this uh, prayer, prayer church. I don't know what really happened. They said, I'm the one. And uh, it was later I discovered, they said, because you are the only one going to school, you are the only one our father is spending the money. So maybe, I don't know. For you are doing something. Reason, yeah. For just no reason, they said, I'm the one in charge of the sickness. And after so many years, the sickness continues until one day, I don't know, the prophet that came to their house and prayed and said that they, if they have committed anything, they should repent, that I have no hand in whatever is doing them. I think I have to run away from home for at least six years. I didn't even wow. come to their house. And later they started looking for me again, that they, they, they apologized and nothing wow. went Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it must have been very tough for you at the time, you know, um, when you were alienated and, um, and, and for six years. Anybody else wants to, um, to share? Otherwise, we dive straight in. We have so much ground to cover. Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38. I'm going to read... From verse 1 to 30. You can follow with me on the screen. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. Everyone say Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and he married her. He slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named the boy Ur. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, 
and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth a third, to a third son, she named him Sheila. At the time of Sheila's birth, they were living in Kezib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his first son, firstborn son, Er, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Her was a wicked man in the Lord's sight. May you not be wicked in the Lord's sight. That is huge by itself. So the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to his brother, Onan, go and marry Tamar as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who will not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child. So, child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child of his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Who killed her? Who killed Onan? Okay. Then Judah said to Tamar, come and be going. His daughter-in-law, go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son, Sheila, is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Sheila would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live with, in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Ira, the Adulamite, went up to Timnah to supervise the sharing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, look, your father-in-law is going to Timnah to share his sheep. Tamar was aware that Sheila had grown up but no arrangement has been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil like a prostitute would do in those days and disguised herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance to the village of Enaim which is on the road to Timna. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned to her. Let me have the S letter word with you. There are children here, even though this is in the Bible. <laughs> he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay me to have sex with me? Tamna asked. Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat. Everybody say young goat. 
I sent a young goat from my flock. Judah negotiated. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat? She asked. What kind of guarantee do you want? He replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal. It's cord. Two, and the walking stick you are carrying. Three. So Judah gave them to her. Pause. <laughs> Lost is a horrible thing. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her. And she became pregnant. One shot. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend, Hira, the Adulamite, to take the young goat to the woman and to pick up the things he had given her as his guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute? There was a shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance of Enyam. We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere. And the men of the village claim they've never had a shrine prostitute here. Then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I signed the young goats as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again looking for her. <laughs> About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted as a prostitute. And now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Everybody say, look closely. <laughs> who seal and cord and walking stick are this? Judah recognized them immediately and said, she is more righteous <laughs> than I am. Because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Sheila. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, One of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, this one came out first, but then he pulled back his hands and out came his brother. What? The midwife exclaimed, how did you break out first? So he was named, he was named, 
Then the baby with the scarlet thread on the wrist was born, and it was named, it was named Zera. It's drama. You know? Judah. If you were Judah, what would you do? But Judah should have been more spiritual. You see, in life, things are not always what they seem. So it appears that this lady is a witch killing all your sons. But if Judah, Judah was, a, was from a spiritual lineage, if Judah had stepped back and had checked with God, God would have told him, Eh was evil, so I killed him. Onan was evil, so I killed him. So the, the issue would have been dealt with. The issue is the evil, not the woman. Praise the name of the Lord. And you see, unfortunately, many of us, because we, we, we don't, We've not had the discipline of inquiring of, of the Lord. We are blaming the wrong things for what is going on. We are looking at the wrong people for what is going on. But God is saying to you this evening, all you need to do is to step back and ask me. And I will show you. Many times I would have made some mistakes just pausing and checking with God, how wrong was I? Many times. And Tamar would not have been in this unfortunate situation if only Judah did what he was taught as a child growing up in the house of Jacob, being the grandson of Abraham, Isaac, I bring the great-grandson of Abraham. It was a very spiritual lineage that, and heritage that he had. So we jump right into the um, study section. And the first um, question here is that, is this. There are three women named Tamar in the Bible the first is this Tamar. The second is the Tamar, the daughter of David. And the third is Tamar, the daughter of Absalom. That Absalom named after his sister because he loved his sister so much. Now, two were ruined by neglect and abuse of close family members. Two of the Three times. But the third one too was named after one that was abused and neglected. But one took action. She fought back. And you see, the truth is that in, in all societies of the world, most societies of the world, women go through social injustice at an alarming rate. But the shocking thing is they don't fight back. So the question is, why don't women fight back? Why? Tamar, no nonsense. You cannot use me and throw me in the village. Never. I refuse to go down like that. 
Why don't women fight back? There was a lady that was raped and came to us. And I said that this guy, eh, by the time we are done with him, if he sees a girl coming in this way, he's going to run in this direction. Because I had plans to deal with him in a serious way. Do you know, it doesn't come to church, by the way, it's somewhere else, but the lady comes to church. Do you know that the lady and her family members were begging me, oh, let's cover it. Oh, let's, let's just carry this wala and go. And I was shocked. I was like, why don't women fight back? Why? Help us. Ladies, what, what's going on? Okay, the ladies in gospel people have fight back, right? <laughs> no nonsense, women. <laughs> but generally, why, why don't ladies fight back? Do you know that if ladies, if ladies fight back, let's take rape for instance. Do you know that rape will almost be a thing of the past? In fact, it will be non-existent. Please don't fight back. Why? I was saying to a lady that on how, can I say some things here? Minor, eh? Okay. Minor alert. Okay. On how to deal with a man <laughs> that wants to remember. By the time I finished, she was like, Pastor, you are dangerous. If we don't even have something to do the rape again. Why don't ladies fight back? Oh, yeah, now. Why don't ladies fight back? Okay, I'm going to give to, the mic to a random lady. Random. I'm going to point in that direction. <laughs> random. <laughs> lady. Who is there? <laughs> Boomy. Um, Joy, give Joy the mic. Uh, it was random, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Okay, uh, praise God. Um, I think at times, most times, people, um, you know, uh, we've already seen ourselves as weaker vessels. Okay, right. so um, we feel, oh, when we say this thing out, you know, um, you're going to lay a tag on us. Right. You get, and someone will get back to you and like, oh, this is the lady, you know, that, that remains at the tag. It's so stigma. because of that, it's yeah. stigma. So because right. of that, we just lay back and uh, let it roll. Okay. Okay. That's any other reason? Why don't ladies fight back? Oh. <laughs> you always fight back. Praise <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. I think it's because of the justice, instant justice system. Like we read with Tama, they were going to burn her. Huh. They didn't even allow her to say what happened. Right. Thank God she had evidence that she had collected that could vindicate her. Or else, no one would have wanted to know if she was raped or right. if it was her father-in-law. They would just have taken her to the stake and burned her to death. So, so the society itself is biased, you know, and, and the justice system is, is tilted. You know, not to give women a voice. Okay, there's the hand at the back.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A lot of women don't fight back because they don't, they don't have anywhere else to go, any, anything else to do. That's, a lot, that's why I say lots of women, but not all women. Because by the time you speak to women, they say, oh, my husband is beating me. They say, don't come back home. Where do I go? Huh. So, they endure things many huh. times for the sake of the children. Huh. No money to start all over again. They're afraid, you know. Lie, lie. You see, the point is this. And we, we need to begin to reorientate our girls and our female. You are complete in Christ. Who is the head of principalities and powers? You are complete in Christ. So when a lady feels, oh, uh, what would I... In fact, I said to a lady, I said that, if, she says, oh, what about my children? I need to stay because of my children. I said to her that, if you stay, you'll be doing your children a disservice because you'll be, you'll, you'll be telling them this is how they should live. This is what they should endure. You shouldn't put up with this. Do you want a man slapping your daughter three times a day? She said, no. I said, but if you are collecting it in front of her, she will think it's the norm and she will collect it. But if she sees you stand up against it, no man can try that with her. So stand up against it. If you need support, come. Back up. <laughs> yes. Okay, there's a hand there's a hand in front. Yes, let's start with the lady first. Ladies first. Okay, I want to share something that happened in my office a few right. days ago. Now, this girl, I, I wanted a maid, so I interviewed her. And I, I said I was going to take her, but I was going to do the normal, you know, all the tests and everything pregnancy, hepatitis, everything, about right. seven tests. And so everything came back negative except pregnancy. She was pregnant and she was just a 16-year-old girl. Wow. I didn't even believe she was 16 because she looked like 14, 15. And I said, you know what, give me your birth certificate. So when I saw the result, I put it and I was like, this is your pregnancy. So what happened? She said she was raped and that she went to a friend's house, birthday party, they couldn't return and that the friend's parents were home. Those ones would not let them spend the night. And so the friend said, okay, I have a neighbor. Just spend the night with him, the, herself huh. and the friend. And eventually, that guy raped the two of them. I was really livid wow. because this girl was 16. She was just in SS1. She had to drop out of school um, last year because I, I was even already making plans to, you know, um, of how we would, you know, send her to school and things like that. So I said, you know what, if what you tell me is the truth, if what you've told me today is the truth, then I'm really going to take it up. So I told right. my lawyers in the office that we're going to take this case up and that they should go online, research, and we're going to escalate it to the appropriate right. authorities and make sure that this guy is um, brought to book and right. spent some time in jail right. and he doesn't go scot-free. So um, the, the following... Yeah, clapping, told, clap, clap, <laughs> clap, clap. Yeah. So I told the girl, come with the other lady. And my plan was we're going to interview them differently to ascertain that they were actually telling the truth. Right. Now, the, so I, t I told her, I said, I'm going to help you. And but for me to help you, you need to tell me the absolute truth. So the following day, in fact, that, that day I was really, really worried. I was perturbed. Okay, what are we going to do? And things like that. So then the, the following day, that was when I, sorry, later in the day, that was when she sent me an SMS. And she said, oh, she was sorry that she actually lied and that it wasn't a rape, and that she had actually been sleep. She, was, she actually slept with the man willingly because she needed the money, and um, they couldn't ha um, they didn't have, you know? So, and 
I, I thought of a lot of things. It could be a lie. Huh. Or it could be like, um, she doesn't want to get into trouble. Because that's the way she was going. She was pleading with me not to tell anybody. She didn't want her mom to know. And so she was begging me to still give her the job because she wanted to keep the baby. And I'm like, oh, give you the job so that you have money to go and abort it at the end of the day when I give you some money. So, um, so where does it stand of, right now? Where does it stand? Right now, I'm yeah. not taking any action. I'm just, right. um, because this happened yesterday. She sent right. me the SMS yesterday. And so I'm, I'm just like praying and I want to know what exactly to do about How? it. How? Yeah, okay. Because she decided not to come with a friend anymore. So I'm trying to decide, is it that... Um, She's, she's worried about the... It's possible, it's possible. The stigma. It's possible. Right? Is it the poverty level that has degenerated to that extent that if, if she exposes the man, uh. then she won't be able to go back to him again for, you know, for funds. And then, um, like, um, like um, we, it's a man's world in Nigeria. There's no in, support in, system. In, in, the, in the world, largely. But, but in Nigeria, there's no support system uh. for the women outside right. there. So can we build yeah. one? This, this girl's case actually got me thinking that so maybe let's, we let's, should Let's talk one. offline. Mm. Maybe we should build one. Right. Because God wants us to be the voice for the voiceless. Yes. So take that. Um, Good evening, sir. Good evening. Um, Good evening. Lamide talked about um, the last part was what I was going to mention, but I was mentioned anyway. Um, in Nigeria, we are um, it's a predominantly male society. Right. The male have the voice, and a large uh, percentage of these males are chauvinist, I'm sorry to say. A real chauvinist. Yeah. 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 And um, there's this research that um, Pastor Abami led us to um, use in teaching the children, the teenagers. It was about um, a lady um, on Twitter handle called Sugar Belly. And one of the uh, um, politician's son, I mean, was really, what she claims they did to her was really nasty. I don't want to go into that detail. What I so, want to go into yeah. is the fact, the responses, to, that um, the comments that were made after the girl did her blogs right. by mail right. was embarrassing. Right. Because nobody was seeing it from the viewpoint that this girl had suffered for, I think, seven or eight years with... The, the torment of what the, the, the man led her to do, a series. Right. Because she took advantage of her when she was still a, a minor, a teenager. And she, now she came up with it. This same society that's predominantly male, and they shoved it, they, they went off air, and they called her all kinds of names. Now, I'm wondering if there was another uh, girl that had gone through... She wouldn't even... Something like that. She, I was she, thinking of coming out. Right. That alone would have shut the girl off. Absolutely. Uh, for, for Absolutely. Good. Okay, fine. Um, and this, this, why don't women fight back? You know, it's, it's um, we can go on and on about it. Now, what I just have to say to you, I mean, here is this. Don't, don't resign. You have to fight back. You have to push back. This is what pastor, it's not easy. You have to, for your own self and for your children yet unborn, you have to push back. <laughs> and God will help all of us. <clears throat> Let's go on quickly. Tamar was accused of something that had nothing to do with her. The death 
of the sons of Judah were clearly not at fault. Can you relate to this? How do you handle such? I mean, clearly not at fault. I think we'll breeze through that because we've, talked, we've touched on that a little bit. You know, if, if, if you find yourself in, in such a situation, the best way to respond is two things. You need to trust God and you need to fight back. I'm not necessarily advocating Tamar's approach, but you just need to trust God and fight back. Question number three. Judah, a covenant child of God, was a prostitute patron. In fact, Tamar knew where it was going to, I mean, it was going to stop. It was as if she knew. He descended so low, he was willing to sleep with a shrine prostitute. Now, this is not, the word there, interestingly, used the, in the original, in the Hebrew, for the, is, is the word Kadesha. Does that sound familiar? That word in the Hebrew, the word for the normal prostitute is different. I think that one was Shannon or something. The, the, the word they used for her here was Kadesha, which means a, 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 a shrine prostitute. She's not just a prostitute, she's, pro, she's a prostitute used for rituals. Do you understand what that means? So, so Jacob, uh, sorry, so Judah actually thought she was a shrine prostitute and actually went in, I mean, question, why do God's people do strange things? That's a very strange thing. Judah was a covenant child of God. Why, why, do God people, why do God's people do very strange things? Who wants to help us? Quickly, quickly, quickly. Yes, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. I will speak uh, universally, not really why God's people do strange things. Right. I believe that a day can change a man. A you believe day a, a day can change a man. Oh, right. Okay. Reason why I don't trust, and even when I pretend to trust, it's 50 50. But I have a mindset that's wired that a day can change a man. Okay. So anything can happen. For a guy who has never stolen before or whatever, just allow the situation come up whereby he looks here, he looks there, nothing. And, I mean, even if he doesn't eventually do it, those thoughts will continuously bed up in his mind. And if those thoughts continue, repetition is the law of deep and lasting impression. Before he or she knows it, he will commit it. Okay, so, <clears throat> you're saying is um, human beings left on their own can do strange things. You know, when God says, don't forsake the assembly together of the brethren, when we are encouraged to read our Bibles and pray every day and stay in fellowship, stay in communion with the Holy Spirit, it's not for nothing. Human beings left on their own, we have the capacity of doing, everyone says strange, strange things, strange things. And that is so important. But I just want to say this, I want to share a story. You know, I, I, and I'm praying, like we said on Sunday, that God will open your eyes. 
that God will open our eyes. A friend of mine, I mean, that is, is, is very close to me, I mean, I'm very dead to me. She shared the story with me um, recently. Of before you got married, God opening your eyes can change, will change a whole lot of things. Before I got married, he got back from church and he opened his door and I think he says he just had a shower. So he opened his door and he saw this lady who obviously he knew and the way she dressed, he said he knew he was in trouble. Now, while he was still frozen by the door, she gave him a hug and a squeeze. Then his body began to shake. Then this, the lady sat down and he said to the lady, what would you have to drink? As the lady said, she would like Coke. And then he said, this, this is not the child of the devil. <laughs> He's not asking for beer. You know. Long story short, he said he got to the fridge to open the fridge. And he said to God, God, if you don't help me now, Katakata is going to bust in this place. He says he had nothing in him to resist her. Nothing. And those kind of prayers that you pray, you know God has heard, you know. He says he went back. As he put down the bottle of Coke, his eyes went straight to her feet. God opened his eyes and he saw webs, like dog's feet. You know what they call dog? He says every urge left him. Pia clap, pia clap. Hey. <laughs> he says, he says the, the, all the body that was shaking, 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 everything. His eyes was clear. Temptation went out of the window. He would have probably slept with her. She was a spiritual person that had water connections. What do you think would have happened to his destiny? So many times, when God opens up, all you need to pray is God, show me. The things we struggle with, they're going to just vanish away. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Glory be to God. Question number four. The Bible says that Judah, and, and this is in defense, not the defense of Judah really, but in giving us perspective on what, why Judah was in that state, you know, for a, for a prolonged period of time. The Bible says Judah had lost two sons. Then after a while, Judah just lost his wife. He was in grief at the loss of his wife. Grief and other emotions of hopelessness make people do strange things. How do we protect ourselves from doing strange things when we are going through a tough time emotionally? Judah was going through a tough time emotionally. How do we protect ourselves? Maybe he just lost a job. Maybe he just lost a loved one. Maybe life looks bleak. No hope. The devil says, what's the point? Just jump. Or just, yes. Is there a hand there? Okay, and there's a hand there. Hallelujah. Okay. I remember two years ago, um, there was a teaching you did in church about when you're going through uh, very tough things. 
what happens is the devil helps you to isolate yourself. Right. And that leads to depression and right. you begin to make bad decisions. Right. So, and the care you gave us, it actually worked for me in my own case, is that you need to surround yourself with people, accountable people, people you can be accountable to. Surround yourself with the family you're building in church. You are reading my notes here. Sorry. People that, you know, God. you do life with in church. Right. If you are going through, if you are really going through a tough time, people will notice. Right. They will ask you, be open. You're, you're going to help yourself by talking to people about it, not dealing with it alone because you are not in, in a good state of mind to do that. Absolutely. So, but let, let's hear that also. Then I, I, I comment more on that. Yeah. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Um, I think um, we can protect ourselves when we are prayerful. And we need to be closer to God even at those times. There's a story that I read on Facebook of someone that used to come to church. Right. And she just lost a baby. Right. And right there in the hospital, she said they should give her the baby. And she worshipped for hours. And it was the nurse that was giving this testimony that she had never seen something like this. Wow. You, you just went through a loss and you are worshipping God. Right. So when we know that there's nothing we have. Right. That we have not been given. It's right. easier to get closer to God during tough times. Right. So when we when we when we um, combining the two, when we have a huge loss, there's a huge when we plunge ourselves into God and we surround ourselves with community, people we are accountable to, it becomes easier and effortless to go through these things. And if you look at the story of of, of Judah, he, he he had a friend called Hira. I mean, come on. Hira, the meaning of Hira is freedom. Jaye, jaye, you know. Let's go prostituting, let's go probably, let's go. That's the meaning of his name, you know. So, it's, it's not just enough to surround yourself with people. You have to surround yourself with the right people. The right people. And, 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 and that is huge. Okay. Question number five. Question number five. In the moment of lust, he traded his identity, his authority, and his heritage. Let me explain that. Let's pause. Look, please look up for a while. Um, now, he, 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 they collect, she collected three things from him. She collected his signet. I mean, that is huge. How can you give up your signet to a strange prostitute? Is the signet comes, you know, not mo everybody wears theirs. In his own case, he had the tread around it. He wears it on his neck because of that loop of the tread. Now, he collected the tread with it. Then, which is also his identity, which is people know that he wears his own on the, on, on, on the neck. He doesn't put it in his hand. And his staff, his staff talks about his authority. Now, the staff goes beyond just the authority because in the staff of a, it was a family head. In the staff of a family head, you will have the names of his forebearers. So on that staff had the name of Jacob, had the name of Isaac, had the name of Abraham. And it's that staff is supposed to pass it on to whoever is going to lead that family. And because he wanted He gave it to a prostitute. 
Now, the question is this. If Jacob, sorry, Judah, Judah thought it was a temporary thing, right? I will collect it back. Right? Put that at the back of your mind as we read on. So in a moment of loss, he traded his identity, his authority, and his heritage. He thought it would cost him a small good. There was a small good. It's just a small good. I will give you a small good. And this is typical of how the devil tricks people into believing that they are trading just a small good. Whereas all he's after is their identity, their authority, and their heritage. That's huge. He thought, oh, I will just bring the small good and you will give me back. You give me back my identity. You will give me back my authority. You give me back my heritage. The devil is a bad devil. He doesn't trade like that. And I'm praying today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that everyone that has lost their identity, their authority, and their heritage, that God will show you mercy today. One thing that the Bible says to us when it comes to lust, the Bible did not say resist lust and lust will flee from you. Did the Bible say that? The Bible says we should what? Flee. What does flee mean? To run. That word run, I've, 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 I've thought on it before, means run as if your life depends on it. My grandmother will say, run so that your leg will touch the back of your head. That is the kind of run. Why would the Bible say run to you that you are so strong and spiritual and so powerful and anointed? Why why would the Bible say run to you that you are so wise and, and you are so sharp? Why would the Bible say, run to you that you know when to stop? You know how to push the envelope. You just know when to stop. Why would the Bible, you must be wiser than, than God. Why would the Bible say, run? The Bible says run because the Bible knows that once lost has entered, you betrayed your identity, not you. The person betrayed his identity, his authority, and his heritage easily. Even to a strange shrine prostitute. So the defense against lust that we have is to keep lust outside. That's the defense we have against lust. The defense we have against lust is to be estranged to lust. That's the defense we have against lust. (laughs) Once lust takes a hold of a heart, it doesn't stop until it wrecks the identity, the authority, and the heritage. But for someone here, tonight you are going to run. And you will run for your life. God will restore your identity. God will restore your authority. 
God will restore your heritage. Say, Pastor, you are talking as if you know these things and you have experience. You are looking at a man that is running, has been running, and will keep on running. <laughs> President of the Lord. And listen, <laughs> we all should be like that. Run. Everybody say run. The word is enough for the wise. Question number six. Why? Now, you know, I thought about it. Think about it. I mean, it's easy to just conclude. Why did Tama do what she did? Why? Why did Tama do what she did? Was, was, was she out of revenge? Was it that she was angry? Why, why did Tama did, do what she did? Why? She just wanted to embarrass the old man, a not-so-old man. Why did Tama do what she did? Who can help us? Why did Tama do what she did? There are people here that the things that are shaking in your body is coming down. <laughs> like my friend. The thing is coming down. My time service is over, it will be gone. In Jesus' name, yes. Why did Tama do what she did? Yeah. That was her own way of fighting back. She saw that they were going to cheat her, and obviously, the. Um, Judah was blaming her for something that she, she knew she had no hand in, which was the death of his two sons. And he had made a vow to give um, sell, um, Sheila to her. And she knew that for some reason she was not going to get married and so she won't have children and so she won't have um, her heritage. Heritage. So, okay, Praise so God. that's what I thought about. Fantastic. Anything, anybody else? I think that's just spot on. Um, <clears throat> question number seven. One would expect... The twins of Judah's shameful, incestuous, and despicable union. I'm using big, big grammar to drive home the point. With Tamar, his daughter-in-law, to be outcast or hidden away somewhere. Or perhaps not even mentioned in the Bible. However, surprisingly... The Messianic line continues through Tamar's son, Perez. God did not provide a cleaner way to continue the line that will eventually include Jesus. Perez was an ancestor of David and was an ancestor of Jesus. What does that tell you about God? I mean, isn't that just scary? Out of all the other available children, it's only parents that Jesus, that can't God find some another root. At least Judah had other, another son that had other sons. So why? What does that tell you about God? Who wants to help us? What does that tell you about God? Yes. Um, this tells me that God uses unlikely vessels. God uses unlikely, unlikely vessels. Ve the most unlikely vessels. In fact, I don't think 
There are families in this place that people that will not even accept Perez and, and Zina. What's the, what's the other guy's name? I've seen people that, that you know, who's, they say, ah, those children are bastards too. In fact, let them fall down and die. But God is magnanimous in mercy. Sometimes it's scary. It's too merciful. No, it can't be too merciful. It's so merciful. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anybody else? What does that tell us about God? Yes, sir. What does that tell us about God? Let's go straight and shoot. Yeah. Uh, it, what it tells me about God is, uh, a, like the Bible said, a, it, um, somebody that is not sick does not need a physician. Right. You know, so... Because I'm learning this anew, and uh, I'm really new in the system, but that tells me a whole lot about God, and that's really wow me. And, okay. I mean, uh, right, that it is the sick that needs the physician. So, so Jesus would come through the most despicable lineage. And there are people here that you think the reason why you cannot fulfill your destiny is because of, of your father or your grandfather or how bad your, your, your grandmother was the village witch. She was your bonge. You think that's why you will die young? And all? That's a big fat lie. God is showing us that in spite of how ugly your heritage is, your future is beautiful. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's fantastic. Who else? Maybe we take one more before we run along on this. This is so, so, so powerful. There's so much in this scripture. It's unbelievable. It's as if we should not end this series, but we have to end it next week. I'll move on to other things. Yeah. What does, what does that tell us? Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, to me, it um, reinforces God's word, which says that um, God's ways are not our ways, mm. and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm. So probably um, you would not think that that would be you know, the channel that God would want to use parents, you know, to come through that way or whatever. Amen. Amen. So God, God is showing us that his choice is of grace and not of merit. His choice is of grace. And one of the biggest mistakes anyone can make, particularly Christians, is to lose sight of the fact that it is only by grace and not grace and prayer, and not grace and fasting, and not grace and, and diligence. It's only by do I pray by God's grace? Do I fast? Am I diligent? But I know. So why pray? We've, we've, taught, we've explained all this, so yeah, there's no confusion. It's the grace that makes me walk. It's the grace that makes me pray. It's the grace that makes me fast. I don't fast. To earn it. And, and, and God is teaching us through this whole thing that the, the worthiness of Christ is of himself and not from his ancestors. God is saying, he's showing us that Jesus is worthy by himself. He came through all these funny, 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 funny people. Well, they are funny now. I didn't funny. <laughs> you know? Because he is worthy in himself. And that is fantastic. Question number eight. 
Question number eight. Is that? Yeah. Bad things happen to good people. But good can also come from evil. As we have seen in this case. Even when we cannot see God's plan or understand it. Have you experienced good coming out of evil? Anybody? Maybe not like Tama. Maybe like Tama. You never know. Anybody? While we are thinking, you know, it's interesting to note that with God, with God, there are no, and, and you, need, you, need to, you need to get this, with God, there are no illegitimate children. With God, there are only illegitimate parents. Should I rewind? With God, there are no illegitimate children. There are only illegitimate parents. So you may be here, they say, oh, you are an illegitimate child. Tell them they are liars. God knew you before you were conceived in your mother's womb. And he has a plan for you. For some people, if they are their mom and someone that we had to pray for, I mean, she was under this huge yoke of rejection. And the, the, the reason, because the mom, she grew up with the mother telling her, oh, you, we should have flushed you away. says, you're just a huge mistake. And she struggled deeply until she found God and found this truth, that she's actually not illegitimate. God has a plan for her, and God has a plan for you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, who wants to tackle that question? Question number eight, who wants to tackle it? Okay, yes, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, for me, question eight, um, the grace today came out of evil, starting from Rehab, from all we've been learning. The grace too? To me, came out of evil, from how God started with Rehab, Right. The prostitutes. Right. Tama we're learning today. Right. Even Bathsheba. Right. And David. I mean, this is the lineage of grace. This is the meaning of grace. The lineage. This the lineage of grace. Oh, okay, fine. So have you, have you, can you share an experience of good coming out of evil in your personal life? Because that's what the question is about. And you have the mic. So you have to talk. This is a very sensitive <laughs> Okay, I'll spare you. Now, let me just, let me share this story. <clears throat> of, there's this pa- pastor, he's not the lead pastor, he's, a, he's assisting the lead pastor of this great church in the US. I, I don't want to, I couldn't mention the name of the church. I mean, huge, fantastic church. This guy is, 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 is a solid, solid man of God, you know. And he was sharing his story. And his story <laughs> is, goes like this. His mother was a teenager when she was raped and beaten and, I mean, by, the, by the gang or whoever raped her. And she got pregnant. And she got pregnant for him. And she said, she's not going to abort this child. She has nothing to do with the rapist. God has chosen to 
bring this child to her. She was a teenager. She had to drop out from school. She had to walk. She had to, you know, so it wasn't that she was in a, in a palace. And this guy grew up and became a pastor and thousands of lives have been changed through him. So the question is this. Or rather, I don't want to ask the question because it may be A-levels. <laughs> the issue is this. What if she had aborted the baby? God is able to bring good out of evil. That's all I'm saying. Question number nine. Despite Tamar's unorthodox method and jungle justice, she was a woman of integrity. Now, let me pause for a while. Can you please look up for a while? You think, when you look at Tamar's life, if you just think oh, she's just a lewd woman, da 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 da, she actually was a woman of integrity because she kept herself since that boy was small till now the guy is 18, he's able to perform. Now, they are keeping him away from her. If she was loose, that would not be the case. She remained loyal to her first husband. Because it's not, regardless of the law of the culture, it's not an easy thing to marry somebody's brother <laughs> then be passed down to the junior brother. I mean, come on. That is just not a very easy thing. So she had character. Before we start thinking, she, she, she's... Okay, so, so let me go on. Who risks her life to fulfill a duty to herself thank you, and her family? She knew she had the right to a child. That heir, her first husband, had the right to an heir who is going to take over his inheritance. And what she had, and that rather, she had the right to be provided for. Because in that, community, in that culture, a woman is, needs to be married because she's vulnerable, she's open. Then a widow is double vulnerable. So she's like, she has a right to be provided for. God's plan unfolded through the unorthodox actions of a woman. Can you cite other examples where God's plan unfolded through unorthodox actions? Maybe that's the question you were trying to answer. Um, in the Bible. This Bible study. Oh yeah, who wants to go? Other examples where God's plans unfolded through an unorthodox, yes, sir, method. Birth of Solomon. The birth of Solomon. David and Beshava. Fantastic. Out of all the sons of David, why is it this Solomon that came from this? Modrous, adulterous relationship. 
that will carry on God's mantle. Yes, please. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening. Yeah. What to say here? I have, I have a lot of things, you know, like question marks here and there. Okay. For Solomon, he wasn't um, an adulterous child at all. Because um, Bathsheba and uh, Why did David, he have to marry her? Yeah, but Why? who, who, who would uh, Bathsheba would have married? Who would she have married? Why did, he have, Uriah, to, no, why did he have to kill her husband? But it was already over, and uh, uh, David actually had to beg. Why we can't God go through another route? No, 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 no. <laughs> we normally pray this Psalm 51, and uh, David actually begged for forgiveness. And even David begged, um, prayed to God. Hey, so we are God, saying the same thing now. So God, God is magnanimous, and he forgave. And, he, and because he has done that, Solomon became legitimate. Solomon is actually legitimate. But Solomon became, became okay in, in... Yes, there wasn't an issue again with um, Solomon. So Solomon's case is just perfect and good. It's, so not, it's not perfect. Alex. It's not perfect. The reason it's not perfect is yeah. Solomon's mother was a stolen wife. Who would she have, who would she have married? That's the second No, David had already killed Uriah. So what would happen to Bathsheba? Which, who would she have married? You are missing the point. You are missing the point. The point is this. David should have left another person's wife and not kill her husband and not taking the woman. That is the point. We already know that, but it had already happened. So what would have happened to Bathsheba? That's the question I'm asking. That is not it the, had happened. That is not the question, madam. All right. That's no the, the question is, why didn't God go through another Absalom, another son of David that was cleaner, that had no comma? That is the question. That's not even a question. That's just somebody's contribution. That's not even in our notes. That's not even our teaching. So if you have a question you know, about what, teaching, what, what, what I'm saying here yeah. is that with Bathsheba and David, after right. the death of Uriah right. and the death of the adulterous child, God has actually forgiven David. And there was no more an issue concerning Bathsheba and David. That's what I'm saying. And Solomon came out to just be, you said it's not okay or whatever. But what I'm saying here is that Bathsheba and David <laughs> were just good. After David had already asked for forgiveness, God had to forgive David. Okay, okay, there's good. No, okay. There's no question about okay, that. Okay, fine. Go to your own questions. My question? Yes. I actually Or your contribution. That's my contribution amongst every other contribution that I will talk to you about maybe later. <laughs> my dad, we are not fighting now. But I understand, I understand. She knows that, we both understand. So, yeah, we both understand. Um, but the bottom line is, God uses unorthodox methods. Any other example? Okay, no, another person. Yeah, okay, another person. Ah, okay, fine. Yeah, let's have that. That's fine. Sorry. Um, actually, everyone who has made a name in the Bible right. has been un very unorthodox. I can start from Abraham. 
70-year-old man living to go and make it in a foreign land. <laughs> Very unorthodox. Joseph, the youngest of all. Right. David, the son of the side chick, uh -huh. becoming the ruler of Israel. Uh -huh. From Genesis. If you look at, every, in fact, Esther the queen, uh. she just came, you know. Talking about Esther. Should we do Bible study? Why was Vashti fired? Proud. Nope. Vashti was fired. Because of Esther. Uh, well, yes, God's purpose. Vashti was fired because she refused to be paraded half naked in front of a drunk king and his friends. She refused to be a... a um, she, she refused to be lewd. That was why Vashti was fired. It wasn't pride. It was pride, actually, but good pride. Pride of, why should I be opening myself and be dancing my breast everywhere in front of these men? They'd be poking me, chalk, and everything. And they are drunk. And she said she wasn't doing. That was why Vashti was, was fired, in the real sense of it. But God used it. And brought star. I mean, is it this God, his ways are past finding. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Past finding. Anyway, that's the point of that question. Um, so that we, we, when we are dealing with God, we should be careful. Question number 10. Read verse 24. Why? Okay, let's just read verse 24. It says, about three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute. And now, because of this, she's pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. So the question is, why are we so quick to condemn other people? And many times for things we are guilty of. In fact, they said, your daughter-in-law has played the prostitute. Judah, hear that word prostitute. I mean, shouldn't it even make him gentle? And <laughs> be very sober. And, you know, if you read Deuteronomy, I think Deuteronomy 25 or 15, that, that talked about this justice that the head of the family can pronounce, it's, it talks about other forms of killing. It did not talk about fire. It talked about Water or stoning, or drowning or stoning or something. It didn't talk about fire. So, so <laughs> Judah wanted the most painful one for this girl. Why are we like that? Jesus says, you will not remove the, the log in your eyes. And you are complaining about the speck in somebody else's eyes. While this teaching is going on, there are some people that say, mm, they're looking at around across the auditorium. I, I'm sure she's hearing this teaching. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he's hearing this teaching. But why don't you look at the, the log in your own eyes? Check, check, check. Why are you looking at the speck in another person's eyes? Why are we like that? Why are we so quick? Oh, yeah, now, who wants to help us? Yes, sir. Keep the hands up, please, until you get the mic. Yes, thank you. And there's another hand there. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes 
We don't examine ourselves. No, we're supposed to give ourselves no, self-examination. For example, you know, say you are a born-again Christian, all things have passed away, all things are becoming new. And you are forgotten that you are once in the world. And when you are not seeing people doing things Absolutely. that you have done before, instead of you to examine, ah, I was in the position of this person before Christ saved me. Absolutely. You got to do what they, 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 the next thing they will be doing just to do what ah, this one is giving his life to devil, this and the but life is not like that. Self-examination makes us to, to correct people in a what in a lovely manner. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, thank you. Yes. Keep the hands up until you get a mic. Thank you. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Just as he said, we do not look inwards. And aside from um, giving our lives to Christ and forgetting how it was when we were in the world, even right now, we tend to forget. You know, we tend to, as in, we make a mistake, God shows mercy, and we tend to forget that it's by his mercy that we're, as the Bible says, not consumed. Amen. Yes, and then also we're hypocritical, so, yeah. We are heavily hypocritical, and we need God's help. We really do. Okay, thank you. So, if we, and, and we are ungrateful, you know, because if we really are grateful for where God has taken us from, it's, 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 it, your heart will be tender to judging somebody else. If, if you knew that, if not for the grace of God, you will not be where you are today. When you see somebody else, you won't be quick to say, oh, they are lazy, oh, they are dumb, oh, they are not smart. That's why they are not at your level. You know that there are smarter people than you that are walking the streets of Lagos. Yes, smarter, ten times. Nothing to show. Okay, question number 11. It says, when she saw that she was to be left a childless widow, Tama decided to act. She intended to get what was rightfully ours. She claimed our rights. Now, not emulating Tamar's unorthodox method, I've said that several times, <laughs> what can we learn from this? What can we learn? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Simple faith without works is dead. Absolutely. And when it comes to power or when it comes to right, many times rights are not given on a platter of gold. You have to claim it. You have to place a demand even on what is rightfully yours. So if you sit down there and you don't do anything, you say, if, if you sit down your own two will what? You sit down with you and be looking at you. That, 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 that is so true when it comes to, even in Christ, there are a lot of promises of God that is rightfully ours. Do you know that? Do you know that there are many things that we are not claiming? We are not, 
We are not placing a demand for. We are not insisting on. And because we don't claim what Christ has for us, many times we don't get it. And that's the reason why a lot of people maybe are, are where they are today, because we don't claim what is ours. Jesus says you will be above only. You will never be beneath. Jesus is the word. The word of God says that. Yeah, so you are in, in school. I remember when I was in um, university, I got saved towards my final year, and, and I, I saw this scripture, and I was really very sorrowful. I was very, very sorrowful because I was saying to my colleagues then, because that's how I am with the word of God. When I see something in the Bible, I take it very personal. When God says something, it's as if he's talking to me. I said to them that if I had been saved since year one, nobody's going to be in this class. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true, but I actually felt that way. That, ah, I've cheated myself all these years. I've not been saved. Now, I'm in final year. GPA is cumulative. So I can actually be above. So I made up my, I made up my mind that, okay, I still have the rest of my life. I will be above in Jesus' name. I'm still working in progress. But I'm going to get to the top. Say amen now. <laughs> and you will get to the top too, in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, I was saying to, I was, someone bought a house and I went to pray by the house and, and I was really excited and, and the guy was, it was actually like, wow, that, you know, it's, more like he's not seen a pastor that is this excited about, you know, when people are. And I said to him that, you don't understand. I'm happy for you, but you see, I'm fulfilling my destiny when you fulfill your destiny. So when you enter into your destiny, for me, even though I'm rejoicing, I'm actually not rejoicing, I'm rejoicing for my... Do you get that? When someone gets saved, and I'm excited, yes, I'm excited that they are saved. I may not even know, I don't even know them, but I'm excited for myself. You know why I'm excited for myself? Because it is my destiny that I bring them to Christ. It is my destiny that you fulfill your destiny. The passionate I am about it. So when you fulfill your destiny, guess what? Where is Dr. Sugar? <laughs> you know Dr. Sugar? Okay. Now, and many things in God, many things in God is, is, is you have to claim it. You have to place a demand on it. You have to insist that it happens. You have to insist. There's a story I read about Kenneth Hagin. I was reading one of his books. And he was talking about an encounter he had with Jesus. That Jesus came and was talking to him. Jesus himself came and was talking to him. And he was enjoying the conversation. And between him and Jesus was some space. And all of a sudden, a monkey came in between them. And the monkey was making all sorts of noise. And he couldn't hear Jesus again. And he was wondering, is Jesus going to allow this monkey mess up 
this. And he says to his shock, Jesus continued talking. Jesus was talking as if the monkey did not exist. But he was, he couldn't hear again. He was just seeing Jesus' mouth moving because of the noise that the monkey was making. So until he got really irritated and he spoke to the monkey and the monkey and he commanded the monkey to go in Jesus' name. And the monkey cowered away and left. And he could hear Jesus. Then he interrupted Jesus. He says, ah, why didn't you tell the monkey to go? And Jesus says, that's not my job. That is your job. I have done my part. I have empowered you. If you don't take your place and do what you should do, nothing will change. And even as a nation, Nigeria, as Christians, we need to take our place. We need to do what we need to do to rescue this nation from the hands of this tyrant. I'm telling you. Change is still coming. Change has not come yet. Change is still coming. I feel like talking as a prophet. Let me focus on the teaching. Ah. The truth is, it may take a form that we may not agree with, but it will come. If we not follow the, should I continue? Anyway. Ah, you know, if you've if you, if you been with us for a while, you know I'm not joking. Even though I'm smiling. It's going to come to pass. Just watch. Twelve. In a way, Tama saved Judah. Tama saved Judah. How? How? In a way, Tamar saved Judah. How? Okay? The way Tamar saved Judah, because um, from the beginning of um, the world today, I've just been wondering, you know, some questions, pondering. If I really, with what we've um, read, my understanding is that... Um, the firstborn, uh, um, Judah's firstborn was heir. Yeah. And he didn't have any child. Right. Okay. He died because he was wicked. And then uh, Tamar was passed on to Onan. To Onan, the second one. Right. Ordinarily, you know, the way we are, I'm sure a lot of us will do what Onan did. Like, oh, I give, you know, I have a baby for this person. It's not going to be my own baby and the rest of it. But God was angry that Onan did that. And to me, I was like, oh, why would God be angry about that? But again, God was angry, and he had to kill Onan. Eventually, Judah 
sent um, Tamar away, and um, it, when Sheila became old, he didn't call Tamar to come. And then, you know, because from Jacob's um, blessings, the way he blessed uh, Judah, it was almost like Judah was actually targeted to becoming someone. And with the way it was, Tamar had to really come in and... For me, I think it was just orchestrated by God. You know, God had a plan in it. And for me also, I'm just like, if um, Tamar didn't do what um, she did, Judah wouldn't have had anybody, you know, because they didn't, talk, they didn't say anything about Sheila again, having children. He did. He did, okay, yeah. maybe. You know, so, yeah. you know, for me, for, for that, I just think that God had a plan in all of these things. And that's just for, me, for it for me. Right. I just think that. Right. What, just... what, what will have happened is this. Um, Judah will have continued in the error of his two sons. So God will have had to deal with Judah. And because God is a just God, he will have had to deal with um, Sheila. So Judah's whole family will have been wiped off. Really. Because Judah did not stop to ask God, why did my two sons die? If he had done that, there wouldn't have been any problems. And Onan should not have spilled his semen because he was disobeying God. God, has, God was clear in the whole testament that is, well, that is how it is. So when you do that, you honor God. That is how God has put it. Then, not now. Then, Old Testament things. Okay, yes, there's a hand there, and there's a hand there. So, let's take those two hands, then we take to the, keep the hands up until you get it, until you get a mic, yeah. Thank you. As weird as this may sound, I think she saved Judah in the sense that he now had twins. He got back his two sons. <laughs> so, it's I mean, not I, weird. It's quite unorthodox. God was but, making a statement. Yeah, he brought back the two sons in a very unconventional way. So I think she did save him. In Absolutely. A certain way. She saved him. Totally. Ha! This God, Sha. If you don't know God, eh, you, you misinterpret many things. Many things. Yes. Hey, um, good evening, sir. Good evening. I, I think... Um, the whole situation kind of restored Judah back to um, his relationship with God. Right. Because it's clearly stated that Judah, Judah cried out to God he that repented. she's more righteous. Right. So I think he now, you know, realized I've just been living my life anyhow. Exactly. And the Bible also said that Judah never slept with, you know, Tama again. So I think it restored him. And by extension, he, repented of his prostitution. Yes. And he patronage. had a better relationship with God, I think. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you very much. That is fantastic. Um, the final question. What is the most important lesson you have learned from the story of Tamar, the no-nonsense babe, a woman that will not be abused nor ignored? What is the most important lesson? So we take one, two, three, and four, and five. 
and six and seven, and we're done. One, two. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've learned so far that um, I have to fight back, you know, to get things that rightfully mine. Even when it comes to spiritual things, you know, Absolutely. God promises for me. I have to fight back and, and get, get what, I, what is rightfully mine. Amen. Amen. You have to fight back. Number two. Can you keep the hands up again? I lost the count. Okay, two. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have learned quite a lot of things. Three. Intelligence, not just fighting back, but how you fight back Four. matters. No, your hands are all. And yeah. again, one thing I also learned, learned is yeah. when we find ourselves in a scene that is unintercepted by anybody, there's a tendency for that scene to keep on going on and on right. and on. The reason why when 419 wants to play, you see, this thing is real. Keep it up to yourself. Don't tell anybody. They will hate you and abate you into error. Right. So I pray that as many of us who have one or two stuff, we are strongly with us. Right. This house is an open house where people are being freed. I have been so blessed. Amen. We should try and look for someone we could confide on Amen. and speak out Amen. so that that thing doesn't get you killed. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Number three. Uh, yeah, that hand came up. Your hand didn't come up now initially. If you're going to come up initially, don't raise it up. Yeah, go ahead. Lord, lesson I learned from this discussion goes to the lady. No, the lady, they should stop the attitude of um, let us leave everything for God. God right. is going to help us. Right. No, we have to have the mindset of you need to fight. God right. is going to help you. Exactly. You know what I'm so when you not rise or when God help you, you are going to get proper justice. Exactly. You see, Let's just clap for that. You know, one of the challenges we have, I mean, in this country, I mean, the bad doctrine is, is, you know, do nothing and, you know, just leave it for God. Leave what for God? God is waiting for you to take action. Thank you, sir. Number four. Praise God. Hallelujah. Learned from Tama this evening. Every woman, there's a seed in you, and that seed must live. You don't let it die. You must fight. Right. Every woman is a what? I said for every woman, there's a seed you're carrying. Oh, there's a seed you're carrying. Okay. Yes, and that seed must come to life. Okay, you must fight you for must that seed. Fight for that seed. And that seed must come to life. Amen. Don't go and sleep with Judah. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, that's number four. Um, number five, okay, yes, that lady was number five, yes. Number five, then number six, then there was a hand at that corner, I don't know. That was number seven, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I have learned that we always, the Bible says that the man is the head of the family. Right. Um, in this case, the man figure is um, um, Judah. Right. And um, he would have lost everything. If not that Tama took that decision to disguise and um, try to uh, make him, you know, now get back what he would have lost. So many times, uh, our husbands may think that they are always right or they are supposed <laughs> to always be right. True. We should try to pray to God. If you look at Proverbs 31, the makeup of a woman is supposed to be somebody that is strong inside and outside. Right. We should be able to use our senses to help our husbands to do the right thing right. so that they can um, enter into God's rightful destinies for them. 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, number six, then number seven. Yeah. Um, the first one is that resonates with me is beware of lust. And when we say lust, it's not just sexual lust, all forms of perversion, because it can overwhelm you and take over and make you lose your identity and so on. Right. And then also that God is a master planner. He's able to, you know, turn every and any situation around for his glory. Amen. So that's another lesson. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We have lost in all these ramifications and God is a master planner. Um, the final one. Yes, seven. Praise God. Um, so I learned that either has a plan, we always prevail. Someone <laughs> had a plan, you know. So he, he didn't ask for, Judah was coming from the point of, oh, a goat, I'll pay back with a goat. But Tama had a plan. Huh. He requested for his identity. Uh -huh. He requested for, like, something expensive that will cost him something. It will right. cost him his generation. Right. So that taught me that at every point in time, I need to sit back and think, what, how expensive is this? You know, does it go beyond um, what I want to enjoy now, or does it go into the generation? Really, praise God. Hallelujah. I must have a plan. I must have a plan. I have a plan. <laughs> I must have a plan. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Please look at your neighbor and say you must have a plan. Ask them, what is your plan exactly? <laughs> okay. Commit section. Father, I thank you for the grace over my life. Today, I commit to take action and claim my rights in Christ. Let's write that with our hands. Father, thank you for the grace over my life. Write it in the space provided. That space with your own handwriting. Today, I commit to take action and claim my rights in Christ. Today we have heard the word. We have committed to act on it. How will you pass it on? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. I want us to talk to God about what we have heard. There are people here, you, you are not with God. You are not born again. Or you used to be born again, you backslidden, you want to come back to God. You are saying, Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. 
You don't need to come forward wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I want to commit to God today. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together wherever you are seated. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. That is me. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, well, God bless you. Keep it up until you get a card. I want to pray with you. If you are saying, I'm struggling with lust. Lust has entered into this system. Can we please um, just focus on God? And we stop moving around. Lost has entered the system. God, I need your help. I need to flush it out of my system. I want to pray with you. Put up your hand. Or rather, put it on your put your hand on your head. On your head. Put your hand on your head. God bless you. God bless you. Keep it on your head. And talk to God. This Father, I ask, oh God, that you purge me, clean me totally. Everything in this life. That you have put, let it be preserved. Don't let my identity be stolen. Don't let my authority be eroded. Don't let my heritage be eroded. Father, I pray for everyone that whose hands are on their heads even right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray that you garrison these minds, O God of heaven. Let your spirit garrison these minds. Cleanse them totally. And everyone in this place, under the sound of my voice, that has lost their identity, that has lost their authority, that has lost even their heritage. Father, I ask for a restoration today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I ask for a restoration. Oh God of heaven, let your name be glorified. In a way that only you can, let it be a restoration, a full restoration. Thank you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.